Hello and welcome to the This Is Marketing Podcast. I'm Ross Marone, and in this episode, we're going to be talking about getting started on digital marketing. If you are a business, not necessarily a new business, but a business that's looking to get started with digital marketing, you obviously have a ton of questions. Where do I get started? How do I get started? What kind of budget should I be looking at when I'm doing digital marketing? And the answer really lies in deciding what it is you want to accomplish with your digital marketing. Starting at the end, figuring out what the end game is of your digital marketing. Are you looking to drive sales? Are you looking to get leads? Uh, people to sign up for service. There's a million different things that you can do with digital marketing, but knowing what your goals are is always the starting point. When I sit down with a client and say what it is you want to do is always the most important. By looking at it from that standpoint, there's a couple things that are going to happen. And the first is going to be you're going to come up with what that funnel needs to look like. So if your digital marketing is leading to a website or if it's leading to a form where people can sign up they get to the website, they're going to read, they're going to learn about what it is you're offering and then make a purchase from you, uh, get more information, or maybe you're just trying to collect an email address so you could start sending newsletters, start filling in information about what it is that you offer. Knowing what that process looks like is going to help you pick the right channel and then from there you can start to set budgets and understand what it's going to cost to actually get up and running. Now if you're working with a company, understand that most Marketing companies, firms, or agencies are going to charge somewhere between 30 and 40% management fees. And this is an average that you hear about a lot, that I've heard about a lot. And so I kind of focus on that number when we're looking at helping a business understand startup costs. 30 to 40%, some of them offer free setup, which means they're going to be doing the design for you. They're going to get you started on a platform that you choose. And then they're going to run the advertising. But that 30 to 40% usually comes from the amount of money you're looking to spend. So $1,000, 30% management fee means $300 either on top of that or included in your total budget. You have to consider that. So if you look and say, hey, I have $1,000 to spend, 30% of that's going to go to just the management and setup of everything that you're doing. What should setup look like? Well, a lot of times I think a business will enter into digital marketing hoping that the firm they're going to work with is going to produce all the material. That's well and good if you want to go that route and say, hey, you know, we want to do advertising, we want to have some video, we want to have some photography, we want to have design ads put together. But understand that this business that you're working with may or may not know the ins and outs of the service or products that you offer. So when I sit down with a client, I always want to put it back on them and let them know that we're both going to have a great output of this, we're going to have a great relationship moving forward, and you're get the, going to get the biggest bang for your buck by you actually offering me the content that I need to produce. Now it doesn't mean you have to figure out how to use photography or how to get a photographer. Those are things that this agency should be able to help with. But understanding the look and feel of what your business or service that you offer is, is also very important to our process. I like to really sit down and work through this. If you have a certain look of a product you want to get, the type of people that should be interacting with that product or using it. If you have a spokesperson you want to use, what do they look like? A lot of businesses that are locally owned or family businesses want to kind of sway towards using a family member or using themselves, which is fine. A lot of times the business owner becomes the brand face um, for their business and, and you can do that, but think about the customer. A customer wants to be able to see themselves using your product or service. So if you have a demographic that's maybe older that uses your product, putting a young person in there or putting yourself in there if you're young may not match up with what that person that's buying from you sees in themselves using that product. 
typically we would want to bring in talent that matches that look. And yes, there's costs associated with that, but you bring in that talent that use, looks, looks like the person that's going to be using it, and you utilize that moment to capture as many photos, video if necessary, as you can so that you can produce a lot of collateral. So we'll use the word collateral, but that's also the media that you produce on the outset of that. So we want to make sure that we're using the right look and feel for your brand and for the product and everything you do. So there's going to be costs associated with that. And it can range from a day rate of a photographer. It could be as high as $1,000. Uh, you could probably find somebody, especially if you're looking in the university side of things, finding some university photography students that maybe need to get some uh, things for their portfolio. That's a great way to get it on the cheap, but understand that the quality and the, and the work you might have to put in there is going to cost you a little bit more of your time and a little more direction. But what you end up with is a lot of photos to use. It creates a lot more of a look. Um, and you can really utilize that time to produce a lot more of that media for long-term things. So if you're going to be running a program that lasts a couple months, having those students come in and produce that kind of material for you will give you the opportunity to not need them to come back and reshoot things. Uh, very important during that process for me to really see what the output looks like. I don't want to wait until they go back and edit and give me stuff back and then all of a sudden everything's soft or the coloring's off, the lighting was off, the product didn't look right. So make sure that while you're moving through that process of actually shooting or doing things like that, you're getting results right away. They could bring them up on a tablet or on their computer. You can look through things as you go and make the changes that are necessary. Spend more time on that beginning part. Really focus the time, set a day aside to sit down and really work with the team that you're working with to produce the collateral. If you're working with an agency or a business, they may have a photographer they use, but it's always, you know, you're paying for this at the end of the day, so it's a good idea to ask them to see some examples of stuff that they've done in the past with that particular photographer. Maybe they don't have the eye of what you're looking for, and that's important. I have a certain style when I work with somebody that I want to achieve knowing what the output's going to look like, and being a person that comes from a design background, it's a little easier for me to say, hey, I know what the look's going to be like, I know what kind of face I want, I know the positioning, I know what the background's going to look like, the lighting, everything. So when I'm working with the photographer, I want to make sure that I've seen work that allows me to know that they can achieve that. So when you're spending time doing that, it's going to help with everything in the long run. So we understand that part of it. We know that we need to get good media in order to start the digital advertising side of this. Digital advertising is, is a huge array of things now. It's social media. It's video production. Um, it could be digital magazines that you put out. You know, If you want to save the printing costs and you have a lot of people coming to a website or you have a great mailing list and you want to produce content for that, to me, that's all considered digital content. Email remains to be one of those main groups that still has a lot of runway left for a business. And I think that there was a time where it started to fall off because everything was so new. Social media was in, it was cheaper and easier to reach an audience and keep them engaged, but algorithms over time changed that and made it a lot harder for you to reach the audience that may have already followed you. But email remains one of those things that I think people are really tuned into, no matter what generation, whether they're the millennial generation or they're baby boomers, or they're even older than that, we see a lot of people still checking their email on a daily basis and opening those that they're subscribed to that they know. So building your brand within a person allows them to see an email that may be coming into their inbox where they're going to open it and then you have digital content. Now how much digital content you put in that email really is up to you. If you have a lot to share and it's valuable information, then I think you put as much of it in as you can. But keep in mind that people want to keep in tuned 
with the types of emails you're sending. So flooding their inbox in a one week time period is not something I would do. Um, sending them emails on different parts of the day throughout the month at different times is not something I would do. I would set up a calendar that says we're going to email every Wednesday at four o'clock. An email is going to go out towards the end of the day or maybe you choose the beginning of the day. It really depends on what you're looking to get out of that. But by building a content calendar around what you're going to do in email, it's going to allow people to really engage with your brand and your business and have an expectation of when they can look for the next piece of value that you're going to give. Uh, including video and there's a great idea. Including a snippet of maybe something that's more content on your website is also a great idea. Thinking in terms of how you structure that email is important. Put the most important things up top. Make sure that they see what you want them to see, the most valuable pieces at the top end, and then the things that are maybe just as valuable but maybe not as much fall below that. Make sure there's a style. Make sure your brand is always apparent. Make sure they know who the email is coming from. Uh, A-B testing with an agency is something I would encourage. Have them write a couple headlines for subject lines. Make sure that the content inside uh, has, a, has a variable that you can use to test against the main one that you think was going to work. Because what you might find is the way that you think of your business may not be the way that they do. So by writing some multiple lines of content allows you to really figure out what worked. Colors of a button for a call to action. Let's say that you have a snippet that talks about signing up uh, for a different type of newsletter possibly. Maybe it's a how-to newsletter or uh, get the updates of only new products that we're putting out. And you put a call to action button. Having a different color button will tell you which one they want to engage with more. You'd be surprised how many people are more adept to click red than they are to click blue. So you find those things out by doing A-B testing. It's something an agency should be able to help you do. And there's clients out there like MailChimp or Constant Contact, MailChimp's gonna be a lot cheaper, that allow you to do those types of things right in their platform. And it'll tell you with all the analytic data what performed better than another, what got more clicks, what didn't, and then by a few rotations of that, you should have some really good ideas of what needs to go in each individual email that you're writing. You could also parse out lists, I've talked about this before in my email marketing podcast, that you can break lists out. So if you have a group of people that are opening every email, you might want to send them a different email that includes more call to action content because you know they're going to look at it. Whereas you have to work a little harder for the ones that aren't opening it. So maybe you put more generic content in there because you know they're not ready to commit to things. So by doing that, you're building a strong list and you're working a list. Those kind of things with email marketing are very important. It's part of where you can get started on digital marketing. In my eyes, and when I think about all of the different digital marketing pieces that we have, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, getting on Snapchat if you're still looking to do something like that, or going with email marketing, email marketing could be the most affordable for your business, especially if you're using people internally to help produce that content. You're paying them to be there. If you can get them to produce content on the side or as part of their daily routine for the week, then you can really start to save money there, money that you're already going to be putting in to the cost of having those employees. So I think email marketing still has a ton of benefit and it probably has the most minimal startup cost that you can. Do not use GIFs, do not use clip art, you know, use real images. Use that time when you're meeting with somebody to come in and produce visual content to think a couple months ahead. It's not always the way that things go. You might have something you have to put out right away and you have to do it on the fly. And nowadays these cell phones that are coming out really allow you to do stuff like that. So email marketing would always be my number one step if I was doing digital marketing getting a campaign up and running, trying to build a really good list 
and utilize that as a way to get people to sign up, to share, to ask questions, to get feedback on the website, do things with email marketing, probably going to be your most effective. But if you had a little bit more of a budget to work with, what can you do? Video is also something that I think gets you a lot more bang for your buck. And only because the way you keep video, where video lives, and the residual hits you can get from that are important. And I'm specifically talking about YouTube here. YouTube, as of recording this podcast, has 1.8 billion active users on it. And I think the number of users is, is a little bit higher than that, but the active amount of users is 1.8 billion. That's a staggering number of people that are on YouTube every day looking, for, and that's a monthly number, looking at content, looking at something to discover, something to watch. And I know that we can say a big part of that market is probably in the entertainment industry, but as a person who produces random how-to videos from around my house and things that I'm doing. I just like to throw on a camera and record it, not only for somebody else's benefit, but for my own to be able to go back and look at it. I think there's a lot of opportunity there for a business to produce content about each individual product, each service that they offer. You know, if you're going, if you're a plumber and you're going into a house and you're showing how to fix a water heater, maybe it's a common problem that people have. You're not gonna put yourself out of business by producing content and showing people how to do it themselves because I'd say nine out of 10 times, people don't want the hassle of it. They'd rather pay you to come in. But by showing that you're the expert on it, you're creating a piece of content that then lives there. And by using a correct title and using a nice description, and, and it doesn't have to be something that's overproduced. Every video that I've ever produced, which I have some videos that have 10,000 views on them, I have some that have 80,000 views. It's all produced with my cell phone. It's just me thinking ahead of how do I show this that makes the most sense that I can edit on my phone and upload to YouTube, put a good title, put a good description, and then residual hits over time. And if you focus on that a little bit, you'll get people to subscribe to your channel. After you get a thousand subscribers, you start to get paid. Now you're not gonna retire off of it, but it's good to have at least the knowledge that people are looking at what you're putting together and what you're putting out there and that you're being informative. And if you put that kind of YouTube channel together and you put it around any one of these products and services that you offer, you now have a piece of content that you can embed on a website, you can add to an email, you can talk about it in a brochure and have a link to it with a URL. There's so many different ways that you can get people to find that video at the end of the day that are engaging with your business, but you also have that passive look that people will do. People that aren't familiar with you, they're not familiar with what you're doing, that will stumble upon you. You have 1.8 billion opportunities for that to happen, and that's a really great thing to think about. The other good news is YouTube is only growing, so you're only gonna have more opportunity for that kind of stuff to happen. So if I had to choose a number two for digital marketing, it would be YouTube. Now, if you had a little bit of money to throw behind it, uh, you can have an agency that can advertise those videos. What happens is if somebody's watching a related video or maybe even something different, but they fit a demographic. So let's go back to that old person example. It's somebody that's 55 and above. They're on YouTube, they're watching whatever, as long as they reach into that demographic and your video is relevant to that market, your video can become a pre-roll, basically a commercial that shows before the video they're watching or shows in the middle of it, and then they, you have the potential to have them click over. There's all kind of data that gets captured there that tells you if that's working or not, that you could always go back and adjust in the future, but this is a great opportunity for you to actually find more viewers, more subscribers, and get more people to tap into your audience. It's digital marketing and it has its unpaid opportunity, but it also has the paid opportunity. The third piece that I would probably look at, and this is 
not still dumping in the social media, but it's using another Google tool, which is Google AdWords, which will help you push out those videos. But you could also read, write ads. So people still use Google as their number one source to go research a product before they buy it. Even if somebody finds something on Amazon, they might go back to Google to search to see if they could find like products, things that are related or that exact product from somebody else. It could be a service. A lot of the, the most searches that are being done include near me at the end of the search string. So it's somebody that's looking for that product. So they do their search looking for plumbers near me and it'll pop that up. So as part of doing your AdWords, you might also want to consider the opportunity for you to create a Google business listing. Again, something that's free. It's a free service offered by Google. But by putting in your business, uh, creating the listing, your hours, explaining what it is you do, um, you can include some links there to your website or your social media accounts. That'll actually help you with some of that organic traffic, which I'll talk about in a second. Um, but AdWords really becomes this opportunity then for you to buy keywords related to your business. So stick with the plumbing thing. Uh, you could buy the word plumber. You could buy plumbers near me, um, plumbers in the city you live in, whatever it is. So you're creating these AdWords and you're paying per click, not for somebody to see the ad, but only if they click it, then do you pay. And the question of well, how much am I going to pay per click really depends on the industry. Um, if it's a very highly competitive industry online, you can look to be paying upwards of dollars per click. Uh, I know that lawyers who are very highly competitive in these searches uh, pay upwards to $5 per click, $10 per click, because the demand for that is so high. Um, using tricks like geographic location help, um, including re related keywords, like maybe it's a certain type of law that you practice that helps you there. But when you're thinking about something like plumbing, there are a lot of plumbers that do stuff, but not as many of them are looking at the AdWords side of things too. So uh, you could be paying minimum of 40 cents per click or less than that. And AdWords is a very complicated thing and I don't want to get into all the details of it, but for an agency, when you're building an AdWords campaign, there's a lot of things that you have to think about to make sure, or in order, so that your cost is down. Google, again, at the end of the day, wants to make sure that they're providing the best search results for those people that are actually using the search engine. Um, so they want to make sure that if even if you're an advertiser and you're willing to pay, they want to make sure that your website is content that's related to the search. They want to make sure that it's valuable and informational. So they send what's called web crawlers to your site. They crawl through your site and they get an idea of what your site's about. These web crawlers actually understand content on websites. So not only for an organic listing, which again is when you just do a Google search, it's the results that you see, not the first two or three that are ads or the things that come up on the side. It's the actual organic listings underneath there, page by page by page. Those are organic listings. If you clicked on that, no one's paying for that. That's something that's free. Only if you click on an ad does the company at the other end pay because of that. So by having a good website that has really good content, that's why blogs are still so popular and so important towards your online strategy with your website is creating blogs that includes valuable information and links and, inf and contact stuff and product information. By having relatable content on your site, it helps with what's called a quality score. And your quality score through AdWords really helps you with lowering the cost per click that you pay. It also brings up the relevancy. So if you and another plumber have the exact same ads running in the exact same geographic region, targeting the exact same people with the exact same keywords, if your website content is better than his and you guys have the same amount that you're willing to pay per click marked, they're going to show your ad over his. Now, if he says he's willing to play five clicks an ad, 
course, Google's going to show his because they're getting paid $5 each time it happens. But if you have really good content and you're willing to pay $5 or less, um, there's a higher probability of your ad showing because the algorithm that's checking everything knows that your content's more relatable. And by you producing that relatable content, the end user finding something they're looking for quicker and faster, you get more quality uh, leads because of that. But Google also knows that people are using their search engine and seeing that. So it's all very relatable in everything that you do. So my third choice of advertising, digital marketing side of things, would go to Google AdWords. I think between those three, that gives you a good enough to start to know where to go. Now, if you're starting out and you say, hey, I have budget for all of this, then do all three. Produce all three. Produce content that's going to be able to be used in uh, ads on Google AdWords. Like you can create visual ads too. So you're creating banners on websites um, and using a photo that's related there that you have on your website that's in your email newsletter is what branding is all about. It's about having consistent look, consistent tone, voice, explanation of things. Um, so people, when they engage with you, no matter where it's at, on any one of these platforms, they see something that is relatable to you and your brand. And that helps create brand strength. So over time, if someone comes back for that service or product, their memory recall is going to say, hey, you know, I remember company A, and I know that they produce product A, and that's exactly what I'm looking for. So they come back and purchase from you. So that content's important. Understanding the digital marketing isn't necessarily meaning jumping into social media. Now, I know that I'm leaving a lot on the table here. I'm not, I didn't talk about Facebook at all. Um, I didn't talk about Instagram, which is a partner of Facebook, um, Snapchat or Twitter or anything like that, Pinterest. I didn't mention any of these because those are a much different approach. Social media in general becomes a different approach. And if you're going to use the digital advertising side of those, you need to really spend more time and attention on the content that you're producing for those platforms. Those aren't platforms you could just jump on and advertise on without having content that's built in the platform itself. If you're going to do Facebook, you need to have a company page put together. You need to produce content regularly on there. And then advertising becomes a secondhand thing that you do because you have all the content ready. You have an audience that you've built. And if you want to get into that, there's other podcasts that I've done here that you could go look in to talk about Facebook marketing. But for those of you that are strictly looking for digital marketing ideas, getting started, where I would be right now in this day, in this space, those are still my top three. And, and I think to many of you, uh, including even myself, I'm surprised that those are still the three that I believe are the strongest to jump on when it comes to spending money online and in the digital media space. Those three alone can really continue to get your business to grow. It can continue for you to sell and move products. And I'm really thinking service-based products. I'm thinking or service-based businesses, product-based businesses. That's what I'm looking at when I'm thinking of this. If I had something where I needed to build more of an audience that becomes a regular shopper, I would definitely go more towards the social media side of things where I can create an environment and a brand that's sustainable, but also really creates a, an audience that's sustainable um, in the sense that they become fans and true followers online where they're looking once a week at everything that I'm doing. They're engaging with me on a regular basis. Uh, they're sharing it with their friends. Those are where social media becomes very, very opportunity based for everything that you do. Um, so as always, I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. You can subscribe on your favorite podcasting service. Uh, you can check out my website at thisismarketing.com. Uh, thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time.